Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio by Rashpixel.fm, the podcast that shows do-gooders, nonprofits, and businesses how to build win-win partnerships that raise money and change the world. This podcast is brought to you by the Cause Marketing Forum and Selfish Giving. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at CauseUpdate.com and SelfishGiving.com. Now on to today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Joe Waters and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio and on the line with me now is Megan Strand. Hey Megan. Hello. How's your summer? My summer's excellent. It really is great. And I mean, we've had a great summer of Cause Talk Radio guests and we We have have another one, another one today. On the line with us now is Chris Fuller, who's the executive director at the Arby's Foundation, and he's here to talk about their very first CSR report. And Chris, I got to say right up front, there's nothing that a Bostonian loves saying more than Arby's. <laughs> I love the accent. You you hit it just right. I think Arby's. I, I think you've got some potential in our ads. That's right. That's what I'm thinking. Now, now, Chris, I've got a complaint, though, here. Okay, I've got a complaint. I live in eastern Massachusetts, right? And I have to travel all the way to Marlboro for my my obbies fixed. I mean, can we get some more obbies here in eastern Massachusetts? You have 3,300 stores. Can't you just throw a a few in greater Boston? But doesn't doesn't that extra drive build up the anticipation and make it taste that much better? It does. Uh, I did. What are you, I'm bad. What I do? We're, we're working on it. We're, yeah. we're we're expanding. That's so right. We'll, we'll get there. That's right. Well, you know what it is. Massachusetts is a small state, so if you have to drive longer than ten minutes, it's too much. You know, I mean, it only takes me like twenty twenty five to get to Marlboro. But I, you know, I oh, said, man. I, so you're talking to a Texan who it was 45 minutes to get to. The I know, group. I saw <laughs> that both your degrees, right? For for in Texas and stuff. Although you're in Hotlanta now, right? I am in Georgia, yes, yeah. in the very uh, great city of Atlanta. Oh, very good, very good. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, too. And we're big fans of Arby's. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had Dairy Queen on from the National Restaurant Show. I heard Scott Boatwright talk at the National Restaurant Show about Arby's work. I was blown away. Uh, just the amount of money that you had raised for Share Our Strength, $15 million bucks since 2011, which is really impressive. And then, you know, we got this great press release about what you folks are doing with your first CSI report. And let me ask you first, why is this the first time you're doing one of your CSI reports? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, for us, as you know, Arby's is a private company. Mm -hmm. So we probably don't have a lot of the stakeholder pressures that other public companies do in publishing and being more transparent about their CSR activities. However, when I joined the company about two years ago, I was hearing all these great stories around the halls. And I thought, why don't we just be proactive about it? And regardless of the fact that we're private, let's tell the world and share all the great things that we're doing. When one of the one of the criticisms of CSR reports is that people write them and then nobody looks at them except for people like Joe and I. So <laughs> what what are you doing to try to share? Because you've got some great videos on their site. It's actually a very lovely landing page for this report. What are you doing to kind of share this great information with both your employees and your consumers? Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned employees because that was very important to us. So when we published it, we really started with the communication plans a communication plan that targeted our team members. So we actually mailed this out to our entire system as well as sent out a digital link 
we had uh, these little cards. It was kind of fun. It was made from paper that could be planted and grew wildflowers. But the oh, card cool. had the web address so that we could publish and print as few as possible. But it had the web address where people could go to get more information. So we really started with the RB system and, and did a launch internally before we started rolling it out externally. Externally, we brought it to different shows. Um, as we're on the road um, doing development agreements, we pass it out to potential franchisees. Uh, we also had an entire PR campaign about it. And for us, really, it's about the stories. I mean, it's those interesting stories that caused us to want to to uh, create a CSR report. It's those stories that we're now telling little by little that get people in so that they see the full um, reach of our CSR program. Well, talk a little bit about the different pillars that you have and... Was this something, is this sort of a foundational concept around your entire CSR strategy? Was this something you developed specifically for the CSR report to make it clearer to people what all the good work you were doing in the world? Yeah. So I mentioned when I joined, I was hearing all these great stories and I decided let's start with step one. Let's just inventory the things that we're currently doing. And as we went through that process, they naturally broke out into these different categories. So you'll hear other companies talk about, you know, planet food, community, right. environment, or people, food, you know, they kind of use the same four. Well, Arby's in our marketing and our brand voice, we like to do everything a little bit different. We call that the maverick spirit that's been with us since we were founded more than 53 years ago. And we wanted to apply that same approach to the CSR report. And we found that all of these things, all these four pillars really built up to being purposeful. So we created that as our guiding light. And then out of that came four pillars, um, youthful, skillful, resourceful, and flavorful that we then grouped all the different things we were doing in the realm of of corporate social responsibility. Hmm. So tell us a little bit about that first pillar with Youthful, because one of the things I was really impressed by, uh, Chris, was when I saw that you folks over your history have donated like over $70 million to youth-related causes. What's that include? So the Arby's Foundation actually began in 1986. Mm -hmm. We're celebrating our 30th anniversary as a foundation this year. And we have contributed more than $76 million in that time to different youth-related organizations. So the organization that we align ourselves with may change year over year, but it has always been about youth empowerment. So everything from Boys and Girls Club to within the last five years, it's been about supporting Share Our Strengths No Kid Hungry program. And that's been a significant program for you, too. I mean, we're looking at over $15 million. So that's been a really successful one. And you raise most of your money through those programs with point of sale things at the register? We do. So we really have to thank our customers for the amount of money that's raised. Last year, uh, our customers helped us raise about $3.7 million. That is joined with money that we raise both internally and through our business partners. And uh, a large portion of that goes to Share Our Strengths No Kid Hungry program, the rest goes through different innovative programs, but it all goes back to the communities where we live, work, and operate. You know, it was interesting, uh, Chris and Megan, when uh, Scott Boatwright was talking about this at the National Restaurant Show. I think more than any other speaker, he emphasized the fact that for these programs to be successful in the stores, that you have to have fun with it. And of all the presentations I've seen, it seems like Abby's has the most fun with their cause marketing programs. Ooh, I want to hear about that. Yeah, you know what I mean? In, in the sense like, and, you know, people uh, are dressing up, you know, they, they wear funny glasses, they wear different hats and stuff like that. You know, uh, 
uh, Scott had some great examples of that. I mean, how important is fun in the fundraising for Obby's, Chris? Crucially important. And it really comes down to one of the company's core values. You know, we have six core values that we live by. Work hard, get it done, play fair, make a difference, dream big, and the last is have fun. Mm. And that really gives us license to have fun across all facets of the business, and that even includes raising money for this great cause. So you'll see things, you'll see our team members across the country really take that to heart. Some will do car washes where they'll raise money for ending childhood hunger. Others will have different theme days. Uh, One of the most popular ones is wearing their sports jersey. So for the entire week, Mm. they get to come to the restaurant and wear their favorite sports team. They do different things to really incentivize and motivate each other and their teams to raise as much money as possible. So with, within the organization, is this an optional program to support Share Our Strength? And I'm assuming you piggyback on their national restaurant fundraiser in the fall. Is that correct? Yeah, we participate in the Dine Out for No Kid Hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we also run the No Kid Hungry program very much as our own program. It lasts anywhere from five to six weeks. It's optional, but we see a really high rate of adoption. In fact, about 75% of our restaurants across the country currently participate in raising money for childhood hunger in some capacity. And of course, we're working every day to get that number to 100%, but really pleased at the amount of engagement and support we see with our franchisees and restaurants. It's great that you give them, that you empower them to sort of adopt their own program and participate in the national program, but also, it sounds like, put their own twist on it locally. So people are doing car washes or they're doing these sports jerseys thing. I love that concept. It's a lot of fun. And I love seeing the things that they come up with. And I love seeing their passion. And again, it really comes down to the stories. And, you know, we just heard uh, this great story, a, a woman named Stephanie, who's in Wisconsin, who struggled with childhood hunger personally. When she was looking at different companies to join, and we all know there's plenty of restaurant opportunities out there, she went to Arby's because of the cause that we support, because it was important to her. Wow. And she used that personal motivation to motivate her team members, and now they have one of the uh, highest performing restaurants when it comes to raising money for No Kid Hungry. And it's just really cool for her, for us to see her desire to give back because of her personal experience. Speaking of motivating other employees, do you, many point of sale organizations we've talked to that do these point of sale fundraising campaigns have some sort of ambassador or maybe it's on the district level, they have kind of a a primary point of contact that keeps communications flowing and information flowing. Do you have a similar structure or do you just leave it up to each individual restaurant to sort of spearhead? Yeah, I would say that we have a structure with flexibility. So the structural part is a cascading of information that will always put the general manager, that store manager, as the champion for the program. However, just like the example I mentioned with Stephanie, Mm -hmm. if there's someone that's a team member who has a lot of passion about this, Mm -hmm. then absolutely we create a system where they can rise up and really be the voice and uh, and, and the champion for the program. And, you know, we see that, Megan, in so many programs, too, and people that we talk to, that it's so important. And sometimes it's a manager, sometimes it's an employee. It sounds like at Obby's it's both. But you need that champion for the program because that is so key. And we've seen all sorts of informal and formal structures at different companies, so that can be accentuated. I want to ask a question about why childhood hunger, because it sounds like, um, you know, you've been supporting youth-related causes for over 30 years, but now it's childhood hunger. Do you, I know you haven't been there this entire 30 years, but do, do you have knowledge or information about why that focus now? 
I, I do. Um, and a lot of it is because of personal conviction to support the cause. Um, four years ago, we felt like we were a little too broad in the organizations mm-hmm. that we were supporting. And so in order to give that focus, we sat down. I say we, of course, this was before I was with the foundation, but the team at the time sat down and said, what are we personally passionate about? Because it's that type of cause that our passion will then um, transfer over to the team members to get them passionate about. And also, where is there a great need that we can actually address? And when they went through that exercise, childhood hunger uh, by far came out at the top and share our strength as such an excellent partner yep. in uh, what they do to address and, and ultimately solve childhood hunger. Mm, no, I think that's so key. And, you know, we find that more too, Chris, and the people that we're talking to, that more businesses are honing in on specific issues and cutting down the number of uh, causes that they support so that yep. people can take note and they can focus on that most important thing, which is so important. I mean, would you advise other uh, marketing people, other executive directors of foundations for businesses and stuff like that to focus more uh, for bigger impact? Absolutely. I, would, I think that is very important to have focus on the impact, but also to be able to communicate and tell that story. So while in the past we've talked a lot about ending childhood hunger and will continue to, you'll hear us talk about more empowering youth. So while we've created more focus, now we are going to be expanding a little bit into other things like workforce development, on-the-job training, um, really looking at the source causes of poverty Mm. and how we can not only address that child in the moment of need with a meal, but how can we create a brighter future or the uh, community as a whole. Um, so we're really excited about what lies ahead for us as we, uh, as we, even though we have focused, we're also going to be expanding a little bit. That's so interesting, Joe. And I, I know you've probably seen this before, and Chris, obviously you've, you're living this, but it's interesting to me that so many businesses are looking beyond just the donation or the meals raised to that social impact piece. Mm. And it sounds like you guys are really getting smart about, you know, addressing more root cause of poverty within your sphere of influence. How are you looking to your nonprofit partners to kind of support you in that and help you move that social impact issue to something that's that's meaningful and impactful? That's a great question. We're really early in this process. So right now we're talking to a lot of organizations and there are some absolutely incredible things that are happening out there. Some really smart social entrepreneurs who are doing some things that they just need a corporate partner to help either provide the funding or kind of that procedural guidance to really make things happen. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of organization that we're going to be looking to partner with. Somebody who's doing something truly innovative, that's got a lot of promise that we can have a lot of passion and heart about getting behind. That's so fascinating. So how do you have social entrepreneurs off the top of your head that you're looking at? Or is this sort of a general concept? We do have. I wish I could mention names, but I can't say anything just yet. Oh. But um, there are some really, really cool things that are happening out there. Cool. I could take one example here in Georgia, um, the Center for Civic Innovation. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but they no. combine uh, private entities with social entrepreneurs to uh, support particular programs that are of interest to those private industries. So, mm-hmm. for example, in ours, you know, if we were all about childhood hunger, they may have some social entrepreneurs who are doing innovative things to end childhood hunger. They could pair us together. We sit down. We learn their business case. What do they need? 
how can we help? And sometimes it's not just money. Sometimes it's people. Sometimes it's expertise. Yep. Um, and then we can we can then make that decision to move forward to help them. Yeah. You know what I love about what they're talking about, Megan, and what Chris, I love the language, Chris, that you use to describe what you're doing. Like it's very positive and very empowering. Like even when you talk about child hunger, I don't see that as like a youth issue. You know, so many people talk about that as like a need issue. But what I love about that is you're not just talking about giving a child a meal. You're talking about giving a child a meal so that they can reach their potential right? And reach their goals in life and live a better life and be happier and stuff like that. And that is really just imbued in your conversation about it, which I think is great. Whereas, you know, and which is perfectly fine. You talk to a lot of other brands and it's more about the need, you know, there's a lot of need out there and we have to feed kids and stuff like that. And it's like, you guys are taking it one step further and saying, hey, we're seeing the long-term opportunity here for the person that we're helping, which is so critical. You you are so right, and it is both sides. Of Could the you coin. say that again, Chris? That say you are don't, so right. Don't <laughs> say it again. I'm don't gonna. Say it. It, it was so articulate. I think uh, if, if if this is, Chris, I think I'd like to put this in now. our report. That, that, you, said, you said it just right. You know you what? Can I'm, stop now. I, you I can have, stop flattering I, me now. I have my new ringtone. But, but our mission, I think, what we're after is empowering youth, and what we really want to do is remove the barriers that keep a child from achieving their very best. Right. That sounds pretty broad, but we feel like it gives us a lot of territory to do some really cool things in the future yep. uh, to improve our, our community, our, our country as a whole. Yeah, I want to go back to the social entrepreneur piece for just one more question, Chris, if you don't mind. Um, I'm curious to know when you're looking at a social entrepreneur or that sort of company, um, how you decide whether it's a model that you can get behind. Because some of these social entrepreneurship com- companies are very small. They have a good idea, but maybe they don't have the scale and the reach. Like, are you looking for, okay, this has worked with a very small population and we can see it scaling? Or are you just looking for, that's an amazing idea and we're willing to take a risk to, and, and bet that it might work? I know it sounds like a cop-out of an answer, but it's really both. And we've already started funding examples of both. I mean, there was a teenager locally who won a school contest where he was creating um, an app that directed people to school, or I'm sorry, to meal feeding sites. And we were like, what a cool idea. Could this scale? You know, we don't know, but let's give it a try. So we helped give him the funding he needed to take that app to a, a broader scale. We'll do things like that where it's more of a dip the toe in the water or let's just see what happens. Mm-hmm. We're also looking at the bigger programs that are really you know, societal shifts or paradigm shifts, um, and, and also striving for innovation, um, in, in solving some of these issues. Yeah. That's you know, fantastic. You know, Chris, one of the things I love too, is, uh, we actually just heard from another guest on the show, uh, dip jar, uh, which is kind of a high tech donation box, uh, that they're going to start piloting, um, their product in a few of your stores. And it's actually going to start very small. I think it's only like 10 stores or something like that. But I think it's great that a big brand like yours is willing to experiment with this kind of new technology out there, because that's something that's just getting a, a good seed of venture funding. Absolutely. And we love Dipjar. We can't wait to get this uh, test started. It's, it's going to be a three-month pilot, as you said, and it's about 10 stores in November. Mm-hmm. We call it passive fundraising, but yeah. I would look at it as more year-round opportunistic fundraising. Right. Mm-hmm. So if we're already doing a five- to six-week fundraiser, this is a great way to complement that just to see how customers feel about supporting a cause throughout the year versus just a, a, a limited time when it's promoted. 
And will those be all specifically for childhood hunger throughout? It yep. sounds like you're doing this throughout the year. Absolutely will. Yeah. So it'll oh, continue um, and it will be all supporting childhood hunger. Yeah. It's interesting that you brought that up because I was just thinking, okay, if you do this big push in the fall for five to six weeks, um, does the rest of the year kind of go dark in terms of causes or are you trying to keep that particular cause or others in front of your consumers and your employees? Absolutely not. So the way our brain works, our foundation brain works is those five to six weeks are raise money, raise money, raise money. The rest of the year is find the best, most efficient, smartest way to spend that money. Mm. So while a large majority of it goes to share strengths, no kid hungry, and they're fantastic at doling it out to communities where there's a great need, we still have a strong bucket of money that we identify either innovative programs or other community grants where we provide that, infor- that, that money directly from the Arby's Foundation to those groups. So the rest of the year is, you know, we spend a lot of our time meeting with different organizations, um, meeting with different innovators, and then also, you know, monitoring the groups that we have given money to. Are they making a strong impact? Are they being smart with the money that our customers have helped us raise? Um, and, and really measuring that impact and choosing where the biggest impact is being made so that we can continue it. And are you communicating that with, with customers then through the rest of the year? I mean, how are you sharing that information or whatever's relevant for their purposes with consumers? Probably not enough. You know, a lot of us, we get, we get so passionate about this. We do it because honestly, it is our passion and we feel like it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I think that we could absolutely get better at telling those stories and that's why the CSR report was a good first start for us. Mm, yeah. I don't think that a CSR report should be a one-time published document. We really feel like it should be a living, breathing measurement of what we're doing to make an impact in the world, in the community. So I think that you'll see us tell those stories more and more through the CSR website um, as they're brought to fruition. One of the things I'd love to hear you comment too, because you know we heard you a couple of years ago uh, when you were with Young Brands at a Cause Marketing Forum speaking and stuff. I mean, you've been doing this for a little while now. How important is cause to brands now? Not just restaurant brands, but brands in general. Do, how critical is it, do you think? I think it's critically important. I really do. And if you talk to the executives in the boardroom they all have this guiding light. They all have a personal passion for a cause. It's just finding the right ways to make the biggest impact with it. Um, but even beyond, you know, my direct experiences from friends in the industry, I'm hearing increasingly that stakeholders are very interested in cause and what a company is doing to be a good corporate citizen. Absolutely. And it sounds like you're already leveraging at least some of your, was it vendor partners to around this childhood hunger piece? Absolutely. They've been huge, fantastic fans for us, whether it's uh, Pepsi, um, Dr. Pepper, or you know, even Cargill. Uh, our business partners have been fantastic at helping to support our programs. That's excellent. Well, this has been so fascinating, Chris. We really appreciate you sharing about your purposeful report. We'll definitely include links to your CSR report online. But if people want to learn more about the Arby's Foundation and all of the good work you're doing, how might they do that online? arbysfoundation.org. 
That's easy. That's we'll, easy. we'll include that. We'll include yeah. that as well. That's great. <laughs> um, how about you, Joe? Where can people find you online? Oh, people can uh, find me on Twitter, talking minute to minute to Obbies and Megan at Joe Waters. People can obviously visit my blog at Seven Cause Marketing Graphics. They can download to give them a quick start in their cause marketing programs, and they can find me on Pinterest, Pinterest.com, front slash Joe Waters. Check out those four thousand cause marketing pins. What about you, Megan? Where can people find you? I'm also on Twitter at Megan Strand and I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF. And of course, you can find show notes for today's episodes at Cause Update as well as SelfishGiving.com. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention it, but please check out the podcast in iTunes. If you're so inclined, leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback and make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you do not miss an episode. And on behalf of Chris and Joe and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Cause Talk Radio. And we'll talk to you next time.